As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to episode two of the Elite 64 Manager Series, in which I'll be interviewing the best managers in the world to get insight into how they play the game we all love. Today's guest is Abdul Rahman. You might know him from his excellent Twitter account at FPL underscore Salah, or as a guest on the official FPL show. Abdul is quite simply an amazing FPL manager. Listen to this for a history. Four top 1K finishes, another finish of 4,991st and a further seven top 50k ranks. It doesn't get much better than that. Welcome, mate. Thanks for joining me for this. It's great to have you on. How are you? Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thanks for the kind introduction there. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. It's a bit cold up here, but uh, how about yourself? I'm, I'm, I'm with you. People, people can't see this recording, but um, I'm wearing a hat <laughs> inside. I've got the heating on, so... Myself and, and Abdul, life in Scotland, it's tough. But when it's, yeah. when it's so cold outside, plenty of excuses to be indoors, looking at stats and, and watching games. So maybe that's why we've exactly. got a, a decent FPL record. <laughs> getting into getting into these questions, the first one, I always like this one. How did you first get into FPL and when was it? So it was the 2008-9 season. That was my first season playing. And uh, basically, it was a few of my mates had a mini league running and they told me to join it. At that time, didn't have a clue what it was. Ended up joining. I, jo- I joined gaming too in, in my first season, and I still I still ended up winning that league. Uh, you know the mates. Um, so after that, I was just like hooked. Um, you know, had all the bragging rights and was totally hooked after that. And then you know the following season, as when all the you know like searching for all like the websites like fans, people scout and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of uh, I'll just start from there really. Sounds good. That's pretty impressive. Beating the. Uh... Beating the mates, having started a week late, that that surely didn't go down well. They probably they probably still haven't got over that one, and I'm sure they can't get anywhere near you in the many leagues nowadays. How would you describe yourself as an FPL manager? Um, I, I'd say I was a fairly safe manager in the early days. I wasn't. I was quite, you know, I, I was more of a risk taker, and I kind of slowly realised um, that. I, I mean, in my opinion, that wasn't the most optimal way to play. So then, you know, for, I think for the past, like I say, maybe five seasons, I've I've kind of I've gone really conservative. I'm I'm probably as safe as manager as as you could probably get. 
Uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, like captain picks and, you know, transfers, uh, you know, making them as late as possible, etc. So, yeah, I'd say I'm a very conservative manager. Yeah, we're, I think we're very similar. I've you know, been watching your team very closely over the last couple of seasons in the Elite 64 and very often we're kind of thinking along the same lines when it comes to those transfers and captains where we're pretty boring, safe managers. But as for many people on this series, as people will find out, it's it's a very effective way to play the game. It's not always the most exciting, it is. but it's certainly very mm-hmm. effective. So you said you're a conservative manager. Is your play style reflective of you as a person? I'd probably say so, yeah. I think in, in, in general, I'm... Um, I'm, I'm probably pretty safe when it comes to most things. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably say, I mean, I've never been like a, a big gambler or anything like that. So yeah, I'd say, um, and, and it's not it's not like hard for me to be concerned about playing FPL. It kind of comes naturally. So yeah, I'd probably say it is reflective of me as a person as well, yeah. Nice one. So moving on yeah, to, yeah. to football itself, how much football do you watch? You know, do you have to settle for highlights? I know you've got a family. You know, how many full matches do you watch? Generally, quite lately, I've, I've been... Um, I hardly watch any full matches. Like I'll be lucky to watch maybe one full match a month. Most of like my kind of um, watching is you know highlights and match of the day. And uh, what I've realised over the years as well is I don't think it really makes much difference. You know, like I don't think you really need to have to watch you know full games to get everything you need information wise. I think it does help, but not at the level which I think most people think. So yeah, for me, highlights is enough. Um, I watch the highlights and then, uh, you know, when I get a chance to watch a full match, you know, I'll do that. You know, when the kids aren't watching, you know, CBBs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're not playing uh, Fantasy Peppa Pig and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's interesting you mentioned that about, you know, you, you, you don't really get to watch too many games. So I, I'm the opposite. You know, I try and watch every live game on TV. But what I found actually this season is there's been a lot of weekends and game weeks where I haven't been able to watch as many as previous seasons, just stuff going on in life and stuff gets in the way. And I found myself, you know, relying heavily on on highlights as well and maybe, you know, looking at the numbers a bit more. And I think what I'm slowly starting to realise as well, as someone who's always been eye test number one, and I, I almost feel, I, I feel underprepared if I haven't watched a lot of games going into a game week. But what I'm starting to realise is, like you said, I don't think it's as, as important as people make out. And there's plenty of people out there who don't watch any games at all or very, very few over the course of the season. I think Simon March, when he won it, I think he said he only watched maybe three or four. Um, so it just shows you so many different ways to play this game. Uh, and if you are someone who doesn't doesn't have the time to watch games, because, I mean, it is very time-consuming. You're talking two hours for each game, really, when you take in half time and everything else. It's it's tough. So there's plenty of ways to do well, even if you can't watch a game. So you, people shouldn't feel they're, they're at a disadvantage if they're a new player to this game and, and they don't have the time to, to watch yeah. them. And just, just to add on to that, Mark, because I, I know quite a few guys who don't watch many games. I know one guy who who I met recently, um, he had his very first season last season. He finished in the top 100. And he says he never he's not, he's not watched a single Premier League game in three years. And he was when he was picking the players, um, he didn't even know what half of them looked like. So he was like purely stat-based. And he managed to get like a, a top 100 finish. I mean, that was his very first season. So obviously, I'd, I'm interested to see how he's going to go in the next few seasons. But um, yeah, just an interesting point. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And like, in a, in a way, it takes away so much. You know, you, you can you can when you're watching games, you'll be thinking, right? I like I like that guy. I like what he's doing. Don't like that guy's attitude. You know, you, you take away all of that by just not watching the games. So it's certainly a very interesting project for for people who who don't watch any games whatsoever. So. 
Next question. It's it's a it's related to the previous one, and I, and I think I know your answer already. Are you more eye test focused or stats focused? Yeah, definitely more stat focused. I mean, I'd say, um, I mean, like, I'd, I, if, you, if you're going to put like a percentage on it, I'd say probably ninety five percent stats focused and five percent eye test. Um, you know, I, I look at all sorts of different stats, like you know, expected goals and you know, uh, you know, algorithms and and things like that. Um, I'm, I'm quite heavy on that now, and again, it's it's just something I've probably done over the, the last four or five seasons, and I really I really do think it's helped my game. Yeah, again, likewise, you know, I've always been a big eye test manager, but last four or five seasons, I find myself more and more, you know, looking at the numbers and probably with each passing season, I'm probably leaning on them a little bit more heavily and, you know, trusting them a bit more and, and seeing the value in them. Um, so in terms of the stats, you know, what stats do you use? Any specific ones in your decision making and where do you go to find them? Um, yeah, so I predominantly use like expected goals and expected assists, but I also look at, uh, you know, shots in the box, shots on target, you know, just as a kind of reference point, but career expected goals, you know, when you're deciding on, on your long-term picks, you know, it's, it's definitely a big one for me. Um, I think as the game's grown, like, you know, you, you've seen a lot of people who are in the analytics community kind of, you know, playing FPL, and I think they've kind of taken that game to the next level. So, I mean, the way I kind of got introduced to the, you know, the XG kind of stats and algorithms is, is through, you know, that kind of, um, that group of players, if, if, if you know what I mean. And, uh, you know, since that's kind of come to the forefront, I've, I've just totally kind of been, you know, kind of fixated on it really. And I just find it so interesting, uh, you know, just the, the way they think and, and the way they make decisions. Yeah, it, it intrigues me as well. I think it's a very healthy habit in FPL is to, you know, follow the guys who play the game completely different to the way you do. Uh, you know, I'm very intrigued by the stats guys on Twitter. You know, I watch a lot of games based my decisions off those, but it interests me, you know, greatly how they play the game and, and how they make their decisions. And it, it's such a contrast to what I do. But I think there's a, you know, you can learn a lot from that and you can bring little aspects of it into your game as well. And again, that's, it's just the beauty of FPL. You play it, you know, how you want to. You know, someone who just watches games and doesn't look at numbers can do just as well as the guys who, who, who rely on the stats as well. So you mentioned a few things there. You... You use expected data. You know, those those analytics guys, you know, we're seeing a lot of them, you know, build their own statistical models. Have you ever done that or, or have you got any plans to do so in the future? <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not that bright, man. I've uh, I've got <laughs> no need of brain power to build their uh, sort of stats model. Like, I know my times table is up to like 13, but that's about it. But no, I'll, I'll leave that to the kind of the experts. I, I do use um, a lot of like start models. Like I'll, I use the one FPLreview.com. I use Mikel's algorithm as well. You know, he's got a Patreon page. Uh, that's the two that I use mainly. You know, I, I find it really helps in, in your decision making, especially when you've kind of got, you know, like a 50 50 decision or, you know, you're, if you're thinking about, you know, two or three kind of routes to go down, I find it really helpful. Um, but yeah, I, I do use, um, you know, stats models, but no, um, not got one of my own, not yet anyway. Yeah, so many, so many excellent resources out there, you know, really interesting tools that are basically too hard for me to understand for a start. But, you know, I'm slowly starting to dip my toe and, and you know, first of all, understanding them a little bit more and, you know, give it another couple of years, maybe I'll, I'll start to use those in, in my decision making as well. I think, like I say, very important to be to be open minded as an FPL manager and kind of develop as the years go on. You know, it's, you know, you could be one type of FPL manager now you've got to be open to kind of adjusting your play style because, you know, you, you might have done well with your play style over a couple of years, but that doesn't mean it's going to be successful for the long term. So 
that's why I'm, I'm so interested in these, you know, Michael's algorithm and FPL review and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's very, very interesting. And I think probably before long, we'll, we'll probably see someone win an FPL who are, you know, using them. Uh, I think that's probably the way things are going. Moving away from the stats and the, and the algorithms and all that, because it's, it's giving me a bit of a headache. In terms of team value, do you build it by making early transfers or do you wait until after the press conferences on a Friday to make your moves? 95% of my moves are made after the press conferences. Again, in the early years, I was huge on team value. I thought it was you know, such an important part of the game. Used to make early transfers, you know, a lot of the time to my detriment, you know, sometimes as it used to work out. But again, it's another thing that I've kind of realized, you know, playing the game over a long time and kind of adapting the game, it really doesn't matter as much as, as people make out. Uh, I mean, I don't think it really matters at all. Um, and I, I, I just seen a lot of like, you know, really good managers like totally ignored team value and, you know, they're still getting good ranks. And then uh, I just kind of try really adopt that strategy myself, just totally ignoring it. And honestly, having that, you know, that breathing space and having all the information, uh, you know, is, is a lot more valuable than, you know, 0.1 or 0.2 million uh, in a game week. I mean, just just as an example, you know, a lot of guys went early for Chilwell and, uh, you know, he got injured in, in the Champions League game. So it could happen. Yeah, it does happen. And there's there's plenty of examples like Chilwell. Uh, and again, I think I, I'm in total agreement with that. I'm a manager who who waits until Friday most of the time. And I think running the Elite 64 League for the last four or five seasons, it, it's very clear that quite a high percentage of those managers are like me and you. They do tend to wait, you know, maybe first three or four game weeks of the season, they might go early. But as, as we get into the nitty gritty of the season, it's very much patience. It's waiting for information. You're probably talking, you know, roughly three quarters of the managers, I would say, in the league are, are very, very patient. And then you've got your, your smaller percentage of guys who are, are a bit more aggressive. Um, but again, like I said, so many different ways and, and equally successful, those who are more aggressive and those who are a bit more conservative like ourselves. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. In terms of planning, how far in advance do you plan ahead? Um, honestly, I, I don't. I don't plan any more than like, I, I probably do about four or five game weeks. I mean, uh, honestly, in, in FPL, you you, you lose yourself. But even one week is such a, you know, a lot can change the, the landscape in, in FPL in, in one week or eight, or on two weeks. You know, it's it's really optimal. You know, plan like you know ten game weeks ahead or you know, like long term. So I think four to five game weeks max is what I plan. And then, um, yeah, just take it from there. And, and and most of the time, like, you know, what you've got planned in those four to five game weeks, you know, doesn't come to fruition. Something always comes up and then you've got to kind of, you know, change and adjust. 
So, yeah, I mean, I'd say about four to five game weeks max. Yeah, you mentioned about the FPL landscape and, and how quickly it changes. I think more so than ever, uh, and obviously COVID times plays a factor. Nowadays, you can have a player, must-have player, everyone's buying them. Three weeks later, you know, bin them off, absolutely useless, and there's a there's a new shiny toy that everyone's trying to get in. Things things seem to change even quicker nowadays. I think that's the impact of social media. You know, these players get hyped up, overhyped, and then very quickly people... The people who were shouting about them two weeks ago go very quiet and they're, and they're already talking about, about someone else. In terms of player ownership and effective ownership, does that influence your decisions in any way? Early on in the season, it does. Um, I really do look at effective ownership, especially when looking at my captain early on, because I, I really have this kind of um, style of play, which has been working for me over the last few seasons, where I, I tried to play as really safe as possible, you know, like in the early weeks and, you know, play by effective ownership, you know, for the first like 10 to 12 game weeks and then kind of, uh, you know, then from, from 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 then on, then, you know, not take much note of it as I did before. But I do find that, you know, kind of staying with the pack and, you know, not getting left behind. And, you know, when you're going to take risks in the first few weeks and, you know, you're going against, you know, high effective ownership players, you could, you know, get left behind. And you, when you have to have a bad start, it kind, of, it kind of has a bit of a domino effect and you kind of, you know, get... You might get kind of you know roped into making you know bad decisions and knee jerk transfers, you know, trying to get yourself back on track. So definitely, I do take it into consideration early on in the season, and you know sometimes even you know when it comes to like 50-50 captain shouts or something like that, I look at you. So yeah, I look at it quite a lot. Yeah, I always I always think back to I know you put a, a really useful guide together a couple of years ago, and, and I know you retweet it at the start of every season. So the people who are listening to this, come August time, make sure. You're, you're looking out for Salah's yearly retweet of that, you know, guide you put together. Basically, it's a guide, isn't it, of basically how not to have a bad start. You know, it's not even, you know, how to have a good start. And, and I like the way you approach that. I don't know if you want to touch on one or two things you, you include in that little guide. Yeah, just firstly, it's not my guide. It's actually, um, it's a guy called Dodd from uh, FISO, you know, FISO.com. So um, I, I asked him if I could if I could use it. And he said, "Yeah, I mean, you know, you could." He was he was perfectly fine with me sharing it on Twitter, and, and he he made this. Uh, he's got a blog, and he put that little guide in, in in his blog, and I just found it so helpful. And I just have a wee look at that, you know, at the start of every season, just to kind of remind myself, firstly, and then I, I obviously share it as well. And yeah, it's just it just kind of hits home, you know. It's a lot of things uh, that are in it are things we already know, but you know, things that you know maybe we forget or we kind of overlook. But it just kind of you know brings it back to the forefront. And um, yeah, just really, really simple guide on how to avoid a bad start. And, you know, that's really helped me in the past three or four seasons. Yeah, I read it every season, even though I've read it loads of times. It's To me, it's like a nice little, you're, it's like you're hitting the reset button before a new season. It's it's back to basics. It's just reminding yourself of, of the very, very simple things about FPL. So yeah, make sure you keep sharing that every season because I, for one, certainly certainly read it when you do. How many How many hits do you usually take over the course of a season, you know, not not many. I, I try and take as 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 less hits as possible. So I'd probably say maybe about three or four over the season. I think last season took a lot more because of you know it was, it was a weird season, you know, with the COVID and it was just totally different landscape. But um, on a on a on a kind of normal season, I'd probably take I'd say two to four hits, meaning like two to four like four point hits. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm really, really kind of hit averse. I, I try my hardest, you know, in all circumstances, to not take a hit and only really do it when it's 
totally necessary. Yeah, so following on from that, do you have a specific rule or approach to taking hits? And in what circumstances do you feel a hit is justified? Um, I'd, I'd, I mean, it's all kind of dependent on the situation, but if I've got injured players, you know, that's that's one that I do. If I've got injured players and I've not got like a you know an adequate bench backup, I'll use it. Or uh, you know, if I'm if I'm say I've you know I've got a really good opportunity to jump on, you know, a player who's got like a really good fixture on coming up, uh, you know, then I'd, I'd maybe do it then. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there's I've got like a hard and fast rule of when when I'm not to take hits, but I very very rarely take hits to like remove you know fit players you know who are injured or. Or you know, I've t- totally taken like a, a downturn in in, uh, in form, or you know, something's happened there. But yeah, it's just really kind of for for me, it's um, it's kind of extreme circumstances for me to take a hit. Yeah, I think we're we're aligned there as well. For me, it's you know, avoid the hits as much as possible, and and, and especially avoid those unnecessary hits when you're removing a player who's who's a decent player. For for another player, it's it's always hard to get that one right. Moving on to the chips. So at the moment in FPL, we've got bench boost, triple captain and free hit. So how do you usually use those? And also, do you tend to use the first wild card early? You can also share your thoughts on on bench boost as well in a single game week. Yeah, I usually do use my wild card early. Not because I plan it. It's just mm-hmm. mostly because I need it. Because at the start of the season, you know, it's when we've got the kind of least information. So we're kind of picking blind really. It's usually because I do really need to use it in the first, you know, three to four game weeks. Um, but I do try and keep it as long as possible. Chips wise, I mean, since the chips have been introduced, I've I've used the bench boost and triple captain in a, in a double game week. You know, every season, and I've used the free hit in like a in a blank game week, and um, mostly because it's worked. So I mean, I think it is it's a good strategy and it works, and uh, you know, it's quite easy to plan for. I think. But in terms of using the bench boost, you know, outside double game week or the triple captain, I mean, I'm not, I'm not averse to that at all. I wouldn't recommend them not to do it. You know, I wouldn't say, you know, it's a, you know, it's a strict rule to use it in double game week. I mean, we've seen the last few game weeks actually already. You know, people have used it to, to good effect. But I just think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm stats focused and numbers based. So obviously, when you've got two bites of the cherry, you've got more chance of, you know, coming off. So that's where I look at it. Yeah, again, like me, you know, I'm I'm no mathematician, but simple math for me when it comes to the bench boost is, you know, if you wildcard the week before, you know, you try and get, you know, 15 times two, which I, I think is 30 and you try and, and it, you know, very often it doesn't work out, but, you know, we do have memories of those seasons where people got, you know, 180, 190, you know, players like, like Sanchez and Aguero and all that. So hopefully that will happen again in the near future to, you know, I know this season, a few people have successfully played their, you know, bench boost in a single game we get in maybe 25, 26 points, but hopefully we can, you know, blow them out of the water in, in a double game week if, if the stars do align for us. In terms of captaincy, so how do you approach captaincy and do you have a specific strategy for choosing your captain each week? I think this uh, season has pretty much killed the captaincy to be isn't it, with Mo Salah, but yeah, usually I'll go with the the most obvious pick, uh, you know, somebody who's, you know, top of the captain's poll, uh, you know, if you look at all like you know the the captain's poll on on Hub and Scout and on Twitter, I'll go for the guy who who's top. I don't take risks at all. I very rarely take you know risks when it comes to when it comes to the captains. And um, you know, if I've not got the guy who's at the top, then I'll you know I'll captain the guy who's who's second or you know the the player that I've got who's highest on the list. Um, so yeah, again with with my with my captains, I'm I'm really conservative as well. 
in the famous game week this season where a lot of people captain Havertz, did you go Havertz or Salah? I went Salah. Yeah, I knew I knew that was going to be your answer, <laughs> given your play style. And also, it would have been yeah. a it would have been a sin, I think, given that your your Twitter account is FTL exactly. Salah. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a, I think you would have been forced to change it to to Havertz, FTL Havertz <laughs> if if you did that. So yeah, not surprised yeah. to hear you give me that answer. Moving away from FPL itself, just for a question or two, and moving to content. So I'm going to bunch a couple of these questions together and you can tackle them any way you wish. So how much time do you spend on the likes of Twitter, Reddit, FPL websites and forums each week? Are you online every day? Do you listen to FPL podcasts, football podcasts or watch FPL content on YouTube? And most importantly, how do you manage the overload of information available to us these days? Well, in terms of like which websites I use, I, I predominantly use Fans Football Hub. It's because I, I write for them, so I'm doing three articles a week for them. So when I'm you know looking, you know doing all my you know statistical kind of research, as you, as you could say, I'm using the Optistats tool on that, and um, I don't really use any other website really. Um, I use FBref sometimes, uh, you know FBref, uh, you know for for the for the XG stats, but. Um, yeah, usually it's that, and it's and because because as you know, you know, I've got a family, I've got two young kids, um, I've really not got time to kind of you know watch you know FPL podcasts and football podcasts, you know, watch or listen to them that that often. So I'll, I'll probably listen to maybe one a month if I get the time for it. Um, again, um, I, I mean, I've got like a, a set of routine now where you know I look at you know the the Optistats tool on. Fans Football Hub. I have a look at FPL Review and, and and you know a few algorithms like Mikel's algorithm as well, and that's that's enough for me when it comes to you know my FPL research. And I don't think I need to do any more. And I think um, that's how I really kind of handle that overload. I mean, listen to like FPL podcasts and all that would, would just be kind of be for recreational purposes. I, th- I think, and you know it's it's good to get a little you know bits and bobs of information, and you know so some of them are are really good, but it's just. For me, I would like to. I would like to get you know have the time to listen to them. I mean, I, I do enjoy them, but because I don't, I just have this kind of set routine which at the moment that I do, and and it works for me. Yeah, that's interesting. In many ways, I guess your your life is busy, so that naturally manages the mm-hmm. overload of information. You know, you don't have yeah. the challenge that I have of having too much time on my hands, too much time looking at FPL, you know, listening to podcasts and all that stuff. So it's 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 quite hard to manage that if you do have too much time. Um, so yeah, that's that's very interesting. So thank you for that. Back to FPL. Uh, one of the most commonly asked questions when I when I ask for questions for the series is how do you cope with a bad game week? Yeah, this is this is a really good question actually. Right? And honestly, like now, I mean, I, I just totally switch off. I mean, if I had a bad game week, I'll just kind of you know go off all social media. Um, you know, I, I won't really kind of you know check the scores or sometimes I won't even watch match the day that day but it's like you know being affected by a bad game it really used to affect me like a few seasons ago um, there was one season where I um, where I was like I was in top 10k it was a few seasons ago I finished 12k that season I was in the top 10k that uh, until game weeks to 38 I had a really bad game week in 38 which took me to 12k and I, and I lost like a few really really important mini leagues and that kind of really affected me uh, you know, I just and then I just kind of said to myself, look, I, I I really don't want to feel like you know this kind of down and and bad over over a game or something that you know I love and enjoy. So I just kind of just kind of it was just more of me mentally saying to myself, I mean, I'm not going to allow that to happen to me again. And honestly, now 
uh, a bad game week, I can't have the worst game week ever, but it really doesn't affect me as much as it used to. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be annoyed for like 10 minutes and then that's it. I'm, you know, I'm kind of back to normal, just you know, focus on other things, focus on the family, focus on watching Netflix or whatever. Just just take my mind off it. Yeah, it's good. It's good to hear that actually that you've um, you've managed to get over that because I, I was exactly the same, you know, five, six years ago. If things went badly, it, it would affect me way too much. And it was a case of almost kind of coaching myself, you know, mentally for a, for probably a good season or two to to you know remind myself this is just a game. I think naturally for those of us who end up as FPL addicts and taking it very seriously, you probably go through uh, kind of a process of you get to a point where you're you're in too deep and it is annoying you too much. So that's probably the peak. And then you kind of need to come down the other side of the mountain and kind of bring yourself back down slowly and perspective and everything else that it is just a game at the end of the day. But it's I think it's natural when you, I think it's like anything in life, if you take anything very, very seriously and it doesn't go your way at certain times. It's it's natural, but it's 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 a very important aspect of FPL is is how you deal with that. If it is affecting you too much, you've got to first of all recognize it, like me and you have, and and take the appropriate measures, whatever they are, to make yourself you know enjoy the game again because that's why you got into it in the first place. And you've got to remember that if you're not enjoying the game, you know take take a few steps. You might you know if you're watching too many games, if you're you're reading too much, you're you're doing too many podcasts. Just take a step back. And the enjoyment will come back, come back into it. So that's yeah. that's very yeah. interesting. Thank you for that. Yeah, and and, and as you say, just to, just to another point on that is like you know because we are we're so kind of consumed in it. You know, we're, you're you're doing it full time. I'm I'm writing like content, so I'm I'm pretty much you know doing this as a care as, as part time just now. Um, you know, almost almost full time, and it is really hard not to kind of get affected by that. I mean, I mean for me, it was just like a like a switch. It was after that one season. You know, it was just like a switch in my head, which I just kind of told myself and um you know I, I just I just done it and I thought no I'm not gonna feel like that again I think with every person it's gonna be different so I think try and find that find that way try and find that escape uh you know from FPL like you can kind of you know divulge in you know if if you've had a bad game you can it's getting you down just try and find that. I mean it's easier said than done but it can be done. You just reminded me of something late riser tweeted a couple of weeks ago you know a lot of us do use FPL as an escape from from life, it's it's a great escape. But sometimes you even need to escape from the escape because if if, if the escape's not going well, you need another escape route. So you've got to find something else today. I thought that was a, a really good tweet and, and obviously good advice as well. So yeah, I think that's that's really that's really useful. Skill versus luck in FPL. What's your views on? It's a, it's a debate every season. It pops up usually every yes, preseason. Yeah. And if if you can put a percentage on it for us. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I really love this debate. I know it comes up every preseason, but I really enjoy it. Um, I just think it's so interesting, you know, the, the kind of the differing views <laughs> on this, and that I find it I find it quite funny how, like, you know, all the all the managers who haven't really got a good record say it's all luck, and then the good managers say no, it's it's it's, it's more skill. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say somewhere down the middle. I mean, if if I spit a percentage on it, honestly, like. I don't think you can, but I'd, I'd say maybe 60% skill or, or 65% skill and 35% luck, something like that. Yeah, I'd probably say, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I was I was hoping uh, I was hoping nobody would, would return this question back to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think similar to you, I would put more emphasis on the skill side of it. And I think it's it's easy to say that if you've if you do if you've ha- have had a few good seasons. But it's it's not even having a few good seasons. You know, when I'm talking to people like you and I'm looking at your record, you know, people like 
you know, Matthew, FPL Matthew, um, you know, Jay Eggersdorf, Mark Southerns, you know, to to have consistency over, you know, 10 to 15 years, you know, it's it shows you that there is a lot of skill involved in this game. And and people, you know, what is the skill is a is a debate for another day. But but certainly I think I agree with you. I probably I think that's a good, you know, split about 60, 65% skill. But like I said, the Heisenberg in episode one, if if I have a 500 k season, that percentage is going to change, and it's probably going to be 65 percent luck if you if you ask me. So yeah. yeah, no, I think I think you've nailed that one. Yeah, without without a doubt, there is more skill involved than luck because, as you said, when you look at all these top managers who have got good you know finishes for 10 to 15 seasons, uh, not just one manager, but hundreds and thousands, well, not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of managers who have had good seasons you know for 10 to 15 years. Um, I think that you know pretty much proves that there is more skill in the game than luck. But as you said, yeah, it's hard to put an actual percentage on it. But I think the I think as the series goes on, that's the question the guests are going to hate the most is uh, is trying to put a percentage on that one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Does your profession help you in any way to make better FPL decisions? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't, yeah, I'd, I'd say my profession doesn't really help me in, um, in my FPL decisions, but because I, I do marketing for um, for a magazine publisher. So basically in my, in my profession, it's kind of meeting deadlines. So um, yeah, so it's, it's I've, I don't think I've ever, I've ever missed an FPL deadline. So it's probably helped me in that sense. But in terms of actually, like, you know, decision-making, or you know, any sort of kind of statistical analysis. Um, no, I don't think my profession has any sort of bearing on that. Um, yeah. And I and I prefer that. I like that my kind of profession is totally different to to this to FPL. Um, it just kind of gives me like a, again, it's another like kind of escape for me as well, just to kind of have two different things going on. Yeah, and in many ways, you know, I'm I'm obviously very lucky to be to be working. FPL full time, but in many ways, I kind of I miss having that split of a you know a totally different job, and then FPL being you know in the evenings or, or late at night because the challenge for me then is it's it's too much consumption of information and it's it's very hard to switch off. You know, it's as much as I try and work Monday to Friday, maybe a couple of hours Saturday morning. You know, the games are on at the weekends then, so it does become you know FPL twenty four seven. So yeah, I do I do sometimes miss that. The, the escape, I guess, again, uh, of, of something else. Is there anything you do that you think most other managers don't do, which gives you an edge? And you only need to answer this if you're if you're willing to give it away. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think so. I just think, um, I mean, most top managers, um, you know, know, you know what they're doing, and there's there's no secret formula. I, I'd say, but I, I'd say what the there's one thing that I see on social media and kind of along among the masses, which, which I'd say that, you know, I, 
I, I don't do, which helps me is that, you know, is being patient. Uh, I think that's one thing I've, I've learned over the years and one thing that I think I've, has really helped my game is being patient, uh, you know, as, as you were saying before, like yourself, making your transfers once you've got all the information on a, on a Friday or Saturday morning, you know, not knee-jerking, you know, I think that is, that, that is a huge factor for me. I think that's probably one that's helped me the most uh, over the years. So, um, yeah, I don't think, again, there's, there's no secret formula. I think most of us know how to play the game and, you know, what to do, but it's, it's actually doing it. I mean, we all know that it's good to be patient and, you know, not to make knee-jerk transfers, but, you know, actually putting in action, it's a different story. Yeah, I always, I always say that FPL is a bit like golf. In FPL, you've got to play the game itself, but you've also got to manage yourself. You're kind of managing your team but you're also managing yourself as well. And, and patience is obviously a huge part of that. And I think those guys, like I mentioned, a lot of the guys in Elite 64, they've got patience in abundance. You know, we'll happily, you know, wait through an international break of two weeks and still bank a transfer afterwards, whereas other people might be itchy trigger fingers and just make a transfer out of pure boredom because they want the, the instant results. So yeah, patience is is one of the hardest things to be an FPL, but it's it's also one of the most useful. In terms of weaknesses, do you have any weaknesses in your game that you're always striving to improve on? Uh, yeah, I think I'm really indecisive a lot of the time. Um, like just for example, when I've got you know two options, you know, like I'm I'm looking at bringing in two players, or I'm looking at you know maybe going down two separate routes. I'm really indecisive, and um, I think that's one thing I really need to improve on is being more decisive in my decisions. I think that sometimes can, you know, for, for me, it causes a lot of overthinking in that situation sometimes. But, um, I mean, most of the transfers that I do, I'd say 80% of my transfers, you know, are, are fairly straightforward. I kind of know what I'm doing. But when it comes to that 20% where, you know, I've got a choice to make, I find it difficult to, you know, pin it down and just kind of, you know, go for one. So, yeah, I think that's one thing I need to improve on is just being more, more decisive. Are you like me when it comes to, you know, when you've got two free transfers, you know, sometimes it's it's a hindrance because you've got, you know, so many different routes you can take. And does, yeah. you know, I, I always say, like, I, I always try and bank a transfer as often as possible. But then when I get to the other side and I've got the two free ones, a lot of the time I've got five or six different routes and it's it's very hard, like you say, to pin down which route to take. Exactly. I'm totally like that. And when you have got two transfers, you've got so much flexibility and, you're, you know, you've got so much kind of, so many more moves open to you. And again, going back to like looking at the, you know, I was talking about the algorithms and, you know, looking at the stats, you know, XG stats and, you know, looking at fplreview.com, for example, that really, really helps me in, in those situations. Uh, you know, when you've got something there that, you know, you can look, okay, if I do option A, I'm expected to, to, do, to make this many points and then I do, you know, option B, I'm expected to make, you know, this many points. You know, it's, it really kind of helps with that decision making. But yeah, I'm totally like that. I mean, it's just um, it's sometimes a hindrance having two or three transfers. Yeah, I think it's always because you so, you sometimes have three or four routes instead of just one. It's you 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 know you're going to be annoyed once op- the option you don't choose if that does do well. Exactly. You're thinking, ah, I should have done that. But you've got to remember, if, if you only had one free transfer, <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. have even been thinking about that. So coming towards the end now, I think it's the last two questions. Do you see yourself retiring from FPL anytime soon? Well, that's a good question. You know, before I started, like, you know, writing articles and, you know, kind of doing this as a career, as, as you might say, as I said earlier, I do this kind of part-time now. I have kind of made a bit of a career out of it. So at the moment, I'd say no. But really before all this, uh, I mean, every season I was like, this might be my last season, this might be my last season. You know, I need to, I need to pack it in. You know, it's not good. 
But honestly, like um, now, I, I think as long as as long as I'm doing what I'm doing and enjoying it, I, I don't I don't see me retiring. And I think the game is only going to grow from here on in. You've seen yourself how much it's grown. You know, over, over the last you know five to ten years, it's grown hugely. And uh, I think it's only going to grow even further. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see me retire anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's interesting to hear that that you were you were kind of thinking about giving it up a few times. I think that might be a common response actually to these elite sixty four managers because a lot of them have been playing it for even longer than me and you. You know, some of them are probably playing some kind of fantasy for twenty, maybe even twenty five years, and I'm yeah. sure they're going to say, "Yes, I've come very close to retiring." A couple of times, but once the game launches every season, I can't help myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm back in, I'm hooked. So yeah, now that interesting answer. Thanks for that one. Uh, and don't retire soon. We don't want to, we don't want to lose. <laughs> Final question. What is your favorite FPL memory or memories if you have more than one? I actually got asked this question um, the other day and um, I've got, I've got two really kind of special ones, right? One of them was, um, I think it was a 2008-9 season. So this is like in my early years of playing. And um, I had Sessegnon on captain for Sunderland in a double game week. I don't know if you remember that, but he he blanked in the first game, and um, it was it was a ninety second minute in the second game, and he'd um, the score was nil nil, and I just I, I remember that day so clearly. I, just, I was driving in my car and uh, listening to the radio, and I, just, I was kind of feeling de- dejected because I was the only one in, in my mini league at that, that at that time. I was like focused on mini leagues. And I was the only one in my mini league who captained him because uh, I was the only one who knew about the double game week, uh, obviously because I didn't tell friends, <laughs> as you do. So he went and scored in the 92nd minute and I just remember just going ballistic. I was going, I went crazy. I just I put the window down and I was shitting. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, just remember that day so clearly and it was just just a really like, kind of fun memory. Um, Swinging your Sunderland I, shirt out the window? Yeah. <laughs> if I had one, yeah. I would definitely be. But uh, yeah, I would just, um, yeah, that's one that really kind of sticks to my head. I think more recently, last season, I remember I transferred in John Stones at 10.59 and it was for a hit. I, I transferred him, him in for uh, Matt Lawton and uh, that was just before, that was in the Crystal Palace game right before he got his uh, his brace. I don't know if you remember John Stones' brace last season. I do but, because uh, I didn't so, have him. Yeah. So yeah, I, I bought him in one minute for the deadline. Um and that yeah, that was just that was sweet. That was really sweet. Yeah, that, Couple that, of really nice memories. That's a long time as well. That's Sessignon is a that's a real throwback. Uh, oh, but a, a really time. good one. I think that's it for the questions. Abdul, thank you again for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Best of luck for the rest of the season. I'm sure you'll achieve you. another brilliant rank. And I just before I go, I want to say to people if you're not already following FPL underscore Salah on Twitter. Not only is he a top, top manager, but really useful information. You know, things like clean sheet odds and, and goal scorer odds. I know if I've, you know, if I've got two 4.5 million defenders and I don't know which one to start, I go to I go to your Twitter page and I check the percentages of the clean sheets. And quite often you're you're playing a part in my decision making. So I want to thank you for that as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode, folks. I certainly enjoyed recording it. Episode three will be coming soon, so make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss it. I'll talk to you very soon. The Athletic.